It's the 8th of June today, and we've come here and have this firm intention to sit in meditation together. So meditating is something that's very important. See that um, however much of right view there is in the mind, then we'll have this firm intention, the sincerity to, to meditate to that degree. Uh, to see clearly into the Four Noble Truths, into dukkha, and suffering, and the cause of dukkha, and the path that takes us to Niroda, the cessation of that dukkha. But we can't understand these things, and we can't get there if our minds aren't firmly established in samadhi. If we don't have the samadhi, then wisdom won't arise. In order to gain samadhi, we need mindfulness. So these qualities, they're all connected together. And then there's sila as well, this virtue, that if we don't have this, then our lives become, and our minds become very stirred up and confused and chaotic. And it makes establishing the mind well in samadhi, making it firm, it makes that very difficult. So this quality of morality, of virtue, is very important, especially in the beginning. So we have this sila there, taking care and restraining our actions of body and speech. And for the laity, there's the eight precepts and the five precepts. And these eight precepts are for those people who have barami, who are developed and have a greater level of energy um, that they can keep these eight precepts. So determined not to eat in the evening and not to find amusement in shows and dramas uh, because these are the things which pull the mind, uh, which distract and uh, get the mind lost and these various sense impressions. And uh, so when we watch these, when we find enjoyment in these, then they just go on and then they finish, they come to an end. And in the end, we're left with nothing. There's nothing left at all. That we just get distracted by these things and the time that we have just steadily reduces. So Venerable Sariputta uh, before he ordained, he was called Upatisa, and he found great enjoyment in these shows. He found a lot of fun in watching them, and he would watch them and watch them until his barami became full, and he f- became weary with all these forms of entertainment, because he saw that there was no essence there within them. There was no real meaning there. And it would be better to find a path that leads to the end of suffering. So he kept these eight precepts. And uh, these eight precepts are the way of the renunciants. You need to keep at least the standard of the eight precepts. And even though he was born into a very wealthy uh, family, he could see that having all of this, having a lot of money, uh, finding fun and pleasure in the world, that there was nothing to it. 
there's nothing there at all. Because when we find amusement in these things, uh, find delight in these things, then they just arise and cease, and then we have to find something else to delight us. So it'd be better to focus on this practice. And those people who are really intent, who want to bring their practice up to a higher level, they'll keep these eight precepts. It shows that the sincerity that they have is higher, and they really want to cultivate this wisdom, gain wisdom. Because the things which we find delight in, in this world, the sights, the sounds, the tastes, the odors, the tactile sensations that we find pleasurable, there are many of those. But in keeping these eight precepts and having that determination, we, we're not interested in those anymore. We bring up right intention, this intention to not find pleasure in sensuality, the intention of renunciation. And there's also the intention of harmlessness, the intention to not be involved in ill will. So we look after our acts of body and speech and keep them within the bounds of sila. And then we come to develop samadhi. So some people ask, is it possible to do this uh, during the day, to keep buddha with us um, all day long? And if we're not able to do that, then it's better for us to keep this chant of itipiso and to be chanting this 108 times uh, for many rounds. Because the kilesas, they kind of bind over the hearts and they bind us to these five khandas. Uh, so we need this chant of itipiso to reduce those kilesas. So there's this path uh, that we take, uh, this eightfold path. You can see that we have two eyes, two ears, and then sorry, a tongue and a body and two nostrils, and this forms the eightfold path that we walk along. But if wisdom doesn't arise uh, through us walking this path, that's because we don't have this firm establishment. Our mind isn't well-trained in samadhi yet. And so we need to train in this in order to bring our minds to be settled and firm. During the day when we are working, then we need to try to keep our mindfulness there. But if we want to really be restrained for the minds to be firmly established in samadhi throughout the entire day with our occupations and uh, for the mind to really be just focused on its meditation object this is probably not possible to do because we need to use our brains um, and be thinking about our occupation you see that there are many things which we meet with throughout the day and many forms that gain entry through the eye, the sounds that come in through the ears, odors that come in through our nose, uh, tastes that come in through the tongue, and tactile sensations that uh, meet with the body. And this happens all throughout the day. But we attach to those and take them as being me and mine. 
If we have wisdom, however, then we'll take this body of ours and we'll kind of offer that up as just being empty, as just being the four elements. We have these five khandhas, this body, uh, the vedana, the feelings, this memory or perceptions, mental formations and sense consciousness. And we see that all of these things arise and cease, arise and cease. So what about it are we going to take as being me and being mine? The feelings that we've experienced in the past, even though they may have been very, very pleasurable ones or extreme suffering, where are they now? They've all arisen and ceased already. And the same with the memories that we have, that we remember this and that, but these too arise and cease. All our thinking, the proliferation, whether it's good thoughts, bad thoughts that we think, these all arise and cease. And then the sense consciousness, when we have an eye which is functioning well, and we see a form with that, the mind responds to that, it likes it a lot or it doesn't like it, it may find that very beautiful or something quite ugly. But all of this arises and ceases. So when there's an eye which is functioning well, and there's a form and light which goes from that form and through the eye, then there'll be a feeling of sight which comes up, but this arises and ceases. So it's the same with what we experience uh, through our ears or through our nose, etc. We may find food very delicious, different types of fruit very tasty. And so when that meets with the tongue, then we gain that taste, but that taste doesn't stay with us. It arises and ceases. So vinyana, the sense consciousness, can come up in many different ways, but it's like a magician playing tricks. It just arises and ceases, arises and ceases. But the thing which doesn't have correct understanding about these five khandhas is the mind. And this mind attaches to all of these things as being me, as being mine. And it attaches to the mind itself as being me and being mine as well. But really it's just an element which follows nature. But for intelligent, however, then we'll take this knowing element of the mind and we'll offer it to the Buddha, to the Dhamma, to the Sangha, to the Arahants. The Buddha was one who had a pure mind, an empty mind. And so we offer this knowing element to him. We offer it to the Dhamma, the Dhamma being that all things are anatta, all things are not self. And even this mind is anatta, it's not self. And we offer it to the Sangha, those who know that truth, know that the mind is anatta, that this is not self. And they've understood that already. But if we attach to that, attach to this mind as being me, as being mine, then this will give rise to conceit. And then we'll start getting the idea that I am better than others, or I am equal to others, or I am worse than others. But really these things, they don't actually exist. 
It's just an element which follows nature, and there's no me there within it. And so there's no me within the mind, and when there's no me, then there's no them. There's no us, there's no other. Everything's just normal. Everything's just natural, normal, the way it is. But the thing which is abnormal is avicca, is this ignorance. And this which is what uh, separates things out, it discriminates and causes these difference. And that's which causes abnormality, that's which causes chaos to arise. So in the world we see that people want equality. But the fact is that the nature of things is that everything is equal already. They're all equal in the fact that they're all not self. But what makes them unequal is this avijja and the proliferation that arises upon avijja. That's what separates things out and creates inequality, separates out between us and them, me and you. And this becomes the cause for suffering to arise. So we should come to develop samadhi, and we try to keep our mindfulness with us, um, even when we're working. Always try to be chanting, and to be keeping this within the mind. We can either chant you know, very softly in a very soft voice, or we can just be chanting within our hearts. And we go through this so the recollection of the Buddha, 108 times, and do this for many rounds. And so we try and do this um, a lot. This will bring the mind to stillness and will help us to develop samadhi. So we can carry on this practice of chanting so even when we're working. It's something important for us to do. So this samadhi, it has great benefits and it can benefit our, our lives in many different ways. It can allow us to carry out our occupations, um, our work, uh, better than otherwise would be the case. But the most important function of samadhi is that it gives rise to knowledge. We can gain an understanding into the teachings of the Buddha that all things are not self. But still, even though this is the case, we take these things to be me and to be mine. And how is that the case? How do we see things in that way? They're attached to all things as being me. This body is me. But we can ask ourselves, how is that possible? Do we want for this body to get old? We should ask our minds this. Do we want it to experience pain? Do we want it to die? So we ask our bodies whether we want for them to go through this, and they don't respond. They don't give an answer, because they've got no idea what's happening to them. But if the body has nerves which are functioning well, and then these receive sensations and they send those signals to the brain which creates feelings. But really, the body itself, it doesn't really know what's happening on, what's, what's happening. And these elements in the body that compose the body, they've got no idea what's happening. And they don't know that it's experiencing pain. In reality, it's just elements following the course of nature. These elements are able to stay together, this body is able to survive due to the in-breath and the out-breath that's constantly happening. This oxygen which enters into the body 
and it helps to purify the blood. And the blood, it's, so it takes in this oxygen that uh, passes from the upper chamber in the heart to the lower chamber, and then it gets sent throughout the body. And so these elements of the body, they just follow nature. And really this body, it's just like a biological machine or like a robot. So we should contemplate this so that we gain clear knowledge of it and that our knowledge gets more and more refined. And then we'll see uh, the truth of what's said in the sutras, uh, that within form there is emptiness, and within emptiness there is form. So what that means is that within this body, within form, there is emptiness um, there, and that it's not self. But also within emptiness, there is form as well, form in terms of conventions. But all of these forms are not self. And it's not the case that within emptiness, there's nothing at all. There are still things there, but we see it all as being empty. And so when the mind is on a subtle level, it's able to gain this knowledge. Gain knowledge that the mind is empty, that the body is empty. But there's still form there, following, in terms of conventions, there's still form. So it's possible to even attach to this emptiness, attach to that emptiness as being self, as being me and mine. Uh, but if we attach to that, then there's a self within it. And it shows that this knowing element is still clinging to that self, is still clinging in that way. But really this knowing element is not me, and there's nothing which belongs to it. When we gain an understanding of this, then we'll see that the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, they're all really just one thing. They all gather together in one place. Because the, kind of the knowing element of the Buddha, the knowing element of the Sangha and how these things are not self, they all gather together. They all become one thing, or they are, they are one thing. And there's no self, there's no other in that place. So may all of you uh, train your minds in this way, and be firmly intent on this path of practice, and be very sincere to practice.